This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. With the overturning of Roe v. Wade and abortion now illegal or restricted in at least a dozen states across the country, access to emergency contraception pills is more important than ever. And some pharmacies and doctors are seeing a surge in demand. The two main pills on the market are Plan B, an over-the-counter emergency contraceptive, and Ella, a pill that has to be prescribed. And the research on how effective these pills are for people over 155 pounds, that's mixed, which concerns some experts. Joining us to discuss this and more is Haley McMahon, a public health researcher on abortion and contraception access. Hi, Haley. Welcome. Hi, how are you? Doing well. Thank you for joining us. Uh, First off, Haley, how do emergency contraception pills work? Yeah, so a lot of people uh, frequently confuse emergency contraception with abortion pills, and they're actually two very different things, right? So whenever we're talking about um, oral emergency contraception pills, they prevent a pregnancy by um, blocking ovulation. So that's one of the reasons we also often talk about how effective they are, um, because sometimes folks take them after they've already ovulated, and in that case, they don't work. Um, whereas, you know, as opposed to the abortion pill, which ends a pregnancy that's already been established. So the big thing you need to know about how emergency contraception pills work is just that they prevent ovulation. Mm -hmm. So before we get to the weight issue, there are other barriers here, like cost, and with Ella specifically needing a prescription, right? So what is the impact of that part of things? Yeah, so it can be... um, really hard for some folks to get emergency contraception, exactly for what you said. You know, there are some places online where you can get um, the -the over-the-counter option for $10 or $15, but in most cases, you know, folks are, you know, it's a very um, time-dependent medication. It's more effective the sooner you take it. So if you're walking into a drugstore to get it, you're usually going to pay $30, $50 for a dose of the medication. So it is quite expensive. Thankfully, it is over-the-counter now. And um, in general, most stores do not keep it behind the pharmacy counter. Um, There are a couple out there that still do. But for the most part, um, at least folks can walk in and get it in Mm -hmm. pharmacies. But, of course, the price is is a big burden. And especially for um, rural folks or folks who live in areas where there just aren't that many Mm drugstores, it can be difficult to find a store. And and often they don't have a ton of it in stock. So if it's out, it's out. Um, So, yeah, that can be a really big barrier, definitely as far as price goes and as far as actually, uh, you know, getting to a drugstore that has it. Let's get into effectiveness. What are the stats and research showing about that? Yeah, so um, emergency contraception, most effective um, within 24 hours. Um, Generally speaking, emergency contraception is about 89% effective within 72 hours after um, having unprotected sex. Um, You can continue to take it up to about 120 hours after, but you do see a a pretty significant decrease in effectiveness after that. So it's extremely time-dependent. 12 to 24 hours is the very best um, effectiveness you can get for taking it. Um, But in those first 72 hours are really um, where we see still really strong effectiveness. Let's talk about the uh, the difference in efficacy when it comes to folks who weigh less than 155 pounds and folks who weigh more than that. Yeah, so the research is a bit mixed, um, which I'm really glad y'all noted. Um, and we definitely do need more of it before we can absolutely definitively say 
um, this is the case, which is just, you know, sort of how science works. Um, But in general, a lot of experts agree, the American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists agrees, um, that really the best evidence we have shows that over-the-counter emergency contraception pills like Plan B are less effective for larger people. Um, and, and as you said, that drop in effectiveness um, really happens around 155 pounds. So, um, why? Why generally are, speaking... Why is it less effective? Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, why is it less effective? So we don't know. That is the big question. Um, and so something that goes along with that is a lot of people say, well, okay, if that's true, then I'll just take two doses. And that's actually is not clinically recommended because we it, we don't know if that works. We don't know um, if that will increase the effectiveness. And most experts agree that it's likely it will not. Um, so wow. yeah, we 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 really don't know. There are several theories. Um, you know, there is the theory that it's not enough dosage. Although um, in general, folks don't necessarily agree on that. There's a theory that it's just a difference in how fat cells metabolize the medication. So if you have more fat cells, you have a difference in how the medication is being metabolized. Um, so we need a lot, lot more research on this for sure. Yeah. Um, but it is something folks should still be aware of so that they have all the information when they're making their reproductive health decisions. Yeah, it sounds like it's causing a lot of confusion. As you mentioned, yes. folks are yes. taking double doses when that could lead to right. a lot of complications. What's the medical guidance and how comprehensive yeah. is it? Do you have any to work off of? Yeah. So in general, uh, the medical guidance is that it is um, it is slightly less effective in folks who weigh at or around or above 155 pounds. Um, but I think a lot of people talk about this in terms of being a weight limit, and that's not quite the case. Okay. I think when we talk about it being a limit, it sort of has the implication that it's not going to work, right? It's impossible for it to work. And that's not the case. It's a drop in effectiveness. Um, So, you know, if it were me and I'm in this position and I want to take emergency contraception and I weigh more than 155 pounds, I personally would still take the medication because you still have a very significant chance of it working. It is reduced based on the evidence we have. We believe that it is reduced effectiveness, but that doesn't mean it, you know, we don't have any evidence saying it's dangerous and it still is going to be pretty effective. Um, so if that's what you have access to, yeah. then it is still absolutely a viable option. Um, there is clinical guidance for folks who are um, above 155 pounds to consider taking Ella, which is the other type of emergency contraception that's only available by prescription, or to use um, a hormonal or copper um, IUD, which can also be inserted as a type of emergency contraception, though, of course, that has obvious cons yeah. and how invasive and expensive um, it can be. So there's a there's a 6% chance of failure in people who are larger than 195 pounds, but you say it's it's still safe to, to take this yes. emergency contraception. Yes, absolutely. Um, emergency contraception is extremely safe. Um, we are not aware of any long-term effects. Mm-hmm. Um, there's nothing wrong with repeat use. Although, you know, you, you don't really want to use it as your regular birth control because it can cause nausea and it's expensive, right? Yes. Um, but it's not dangerous. Um, and certainly there is still a, a very good chance that it does work, even if you are above 155 pounds. But folks should be aware that the evidence does point towards a reduce in effectiveness. So you should plan for that. This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. If you're just tuning in, we're talking about how accessible 
emergency contraception pills are for people who weigh more than 155 pounds. Our guest is Haley McMahon, who's a public health researcher on abortion and contraception access. Haley, you mentioned something earlier, the fact that this often gets talked about as a weight limit, right? Right. You've got a background in health communications. I want you to talk more about the message you think that is saying, you know, when we say that there's a weight limit. What is that sending to folks seeking emergency contraception, which is so important? Right. Yeah, like I said, I think it's wrong to call it a limit, um, which I think, you know, as someone who works in public health and works in health communication, I think limit implies that it's not going to work for you. Um, And that is not necessarily the case. It is important that we know there's a drop in effectiveness, um, but it's not a limit. It's not like you can't take it and that it is definitely not going to work for you or that it's unsafe for you in any way. Um, So I do think that's um, very important. And as far as, you know, we talk about there being sort of this weight impact, larger people should not have to be worried about their medication not working. This should be something that should be in research. It should be in pharmaceutical development. You know, this is something that should be in the forefront of the minds of the people developing and marketing these medications. It's not okay to say, well, larger people will just have to find another option or, you know, this is what is available over the counter. And while it still can be pricey, it's the cheapest option um, for emergency contraception. Um, Yeah, you know, and and, and people who weigh more than 195 pounds, Haley, they were not part of the original trial studies for these. And so that is a big problem. You know, we, we see often that larger people are not included in clinical studies. And even, you know, we find out about this being a potential issue down the road because uh, other scientists have done the work. Um, So it really is a sort of systemic issue of why are we not including larger people in scientific research a lot of the time? Unless we are specifically, you know, looking at fatness, we are often excluding larger people and that has impacts for their reproductive health as well. So since there's not a ton of research on this, a lot of what you're hearing is anecdotal and it's on social media. What are you learning from those conversations? Yeah, so I would say there's a fair amount of research, but I definitely agree um, it is a bit mixed. We need a lot more um, to be able to definitively say. I think what I see on social media a lot is people are very, very surprised. They've never heard this before. I think this really took off, you know, with the approach of Roe versus Wade following that mm-hmm. that people started talking about this a little bit more. And it did appear in the TV show Trill a couple years back, and there was sort of an emergence of it. It was a storyline in the TV show. So it did come up then as well. So I see a lot of shock. Um, I do, unfortunately, see people using sort of the weight limit language and recommending the double dose, both, you know, neither of which is supported by the data or the evidence. Um, So that is a little bit concerning to me that it often does come with a little bit of misinformation about it that maybe is causing more panic than it needs to cause. I think it's, you know, again, so important that people understand this and have the information to make the best choice for themselves. But it also is not something we want to cause extreme panic about um, because it is still very effective and very safe. Yeah. but there's obviously this justice issue that that is a larger conversation. Are there pills being developed that are more effective for people over 155 and 195 pounds? So 
So there, there are a couple of um, studies working on developing some new medications. Um, a lot of that is not, you know, public, um, publicly available or available to researchers right now. So uh, it, we can't really say whether they are testing for folks who, um, who are larger and whether those folks are being included. Um, I hope that's the case, and I hope that folks are keeping that in mind, especially now that this is becoming um, an issue that a lot more people know about. Um, but I think we are going to have to wait and see when the research becomes mm-hmm. available. Well, you are getting your Ph.D. at Emory University, right? Yes, yes. What else are you going to be looking into, especially when it comes to abortion and contraception access? Yeah, so I primarily um, work on abortion and specifically in the southeastern U.S. So I am really interested in, you know, what are the structural and social barriers that folks are um, are facing and how does sort of stigma and this misinformation about contraception and abortion play into the, the bans, basically, that we're seeing now. You know, previously I would have said restrictions, but these are bans now. Mm-hmm. Um, luckily in Georgia, we don't, we don't have one in place yet, um, but it, there is a lot there. And I also am really interested in seeing how folks may um, self-manage abortions at home and how they do that safely and mm-hmm. what the legal risks there are as well. You're about so to get a lot of, busier, Haley. A lot of different pieces. You're about to get a lot busier. Yes. That's Haley McMahon, a public health researcher. Thank you for joining. Thank you. Thanks for listening. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. We've got more for you on the podcast, WBEZ's Reset, wherever you listen.